Welcome to Books with Bitches. I'm Maria. And I'm Madison. Welcome. And today we're doing our buzz review on The Silence by Tim Levin. Yay. Yay. Are you excited to be done with this book or nah? I wouldn't say excited. I think I'm happy that we're done with a book that we both actually really enjoyed. I do wish that there was a sequel of some type for it, but other than that, I did really like this read. Well, that's good. I'm glad you liked it. Follow us on Instagram or DM us there if you want to talk to us. Email us at bookswbitches, bitches is spelled with a one, at gmail.com. And follow us on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. So now that we've actually read the book, um, one second, I'm like so off on my buzz review vibes. I took a shot before this and now I'm drinking my- Yeah, that's what we need to talk about. <laughs> my normal concoction, but- So you're drinking, what shots did you have so I took a, I took a shot of vodka and it tasted like straight rubbing alcohol. And that made me want to throw up. Lately, everything's been making me want to throw up. No, I'm not pregnant. So drinking that made me want to vomit. And now I'm drinking my seltzer water with vodka and blue curacao. Oh, no, Mio this time. We're proud of you. Yeah. No, Mia. What are you drinking? I'm drinking Glühwein. I don't know what that is. And is the German version of mulled wine? Oh. Because we're recording this around Christmas. Merry Knishmas. Merry Knishmas. Except it's going to be way after Christmas when we post this. So. <laughs> That's okay. So do you want to get into the five sentence summary? So we meet our main character, Allie, who after a crash became deaf. She is watching a show on the Discovery Channel and witnesses some extremely terrifying events. Then we switch to her dad's point of view, and he's out of town for a work conference, and he also witnesses these terrifying events. So he drives back to go be with his family. Family is all together, and they have to make the terrible decision of, do we stay here or do we leave? Because at this point, the terrifying events that they witnessed happen to be carnivorous birds that are taking over the planet. The family begins their journey to Scotland, and along the way, they're met with sacrifices and horrible people that are doing whatever they can so they can survive and protect their families. And at the end, the gray happens where all technology ceases to exist, and we do not know if they made it to Scotland, and we do not know if the vests are continuing to multiply. I felt like those were really long sentences. They're run-on sentences. <laughs> Some kind of unknown species has been released into the world via a closed-off cave system. Our story follows a family and their journey to survival, where they have to overcome challenges and the downfall of society as they know it. On their journey, they experience hardships, loss, and get to interact with a very interesting person who is the leader of a cult. In the end, the family embraces change and decides that they need to move forward in this new world. And then we finally see the final collapse of the world as we know it as we get to the end of the book. I felt like mine was more vague, but it gets the job done. You did well. Madison loves cults. <laughs> you want to go over key points and important aspects? Sure. Or just things um, you want to talk about in this book? I guess what I would say is definitely watching National Geographic and watching the spelunkers go into the cave and then witnessing those terrifying events of bodies being thrown everywhere, a torn body hanging from the crane, and you see these 
vests flying around attacking people because that basically starts the whole story and without that we wouldn't have the story can i talk about the one problem that i have with this book what's that it's not even like an author flaw it's just a problem i have in general with life is i'm not given all the facts about the vests so when we're introduced to them and throughout the book as we keep reading we learn more and more and more about them but a lot of what we learn we can't take to heart because they're rumors so it makes me one wonder if how long these vests had been in that cavern mm -hmm. like have those vests been alive for millions of years because people are like vests have very short life cycles and people are like vests don't die so is it like one or the other and then we learn that the eggs hatch when a sound happens so what if the idea was that vests had literally been extinct from the cave system for so long, but they broke into it and made a noise. And that's when all the baby Vesp eggs emerged out. Oh, I think you have a good point there. And into the environment, but it doesn't, I, we don't know because by the time they get to wherever Allie is and there's news reports about them, they've had a chance to grow up and be like, their full grown size but like what if that's what happened like these species had ceased to exist and then we just woke them up because we decided for science for science that we decided to yeah um we love science i do like that a theory i was gonna say another one of my flaws with this book again it's not the author thing fuck i forgot <laughs> <laughs> you 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 said something that sparked it and i was like no for real though was it um, the eggs no darn it It'll come to me at a weird time today and I'll be like, that's what I wanted to talk about. Or maybe later on through this thing. But no, I completely agree. My other key point would be, I don't know if it's a key point, but for me, it was like a fact of tension knowing that Allie, Allie's family and her father are separated at the beginning of the book because it adds that tension. Like I thought it was going to be like world, world of the wars where you're like, we need to get the family back together which was good to draw your attention in in the beginning of the book while they're still trying to build the world of the vesps another key point is when they make the decision to leave their home oh oh i remember what i was gonna make my thing is how do you know like how loud can someone be noise is what births these creatures but they can walk in the woods and like yeah you're making noises by walking but you can't whisper in your wife's ear like i i'm just very confused with the certain sound levels that these vests may hear that was my only issue but of course it goes along with the whole fact of we don't know anything about these creatures so we can't tell you the specifics of their lifespan or what they can hear what they can't hear do they hear vibrations how do they communicate is it through echolocation is it through their smell so i don't know so i get it but at the same time it was also kind of like a then i would have just stayed home and made a garden and lived off of the land i think it had a lot to do with what we said in the last episode when we talked about that because it attacked her and he was like oh she merely made it has a lot to do with the kind of sound it's making because it knows that i guess vesps are smart enough to know what human voices and animal sounds sound like so they're able to know hey that's a source of food versus a flowing river but you do bring up a good point because they do say when we get into the gray that the generators are constantly under attack of vests it's like you think the vests would be smart enough from what we've been told in the book that or at least with them not interacting when you move rocks or like you can be walking on a path and it doesn't react to that but when it's a generator moving and producing power the vests are going to attack that despite the fact that they've never gotten any 
any kind of food source from it. Right, so that exactly. is an interesting point that you bring up. There goes my theory of they know they can differentiate a noise and a noise that a food source makes. Maybe that is an author flaw because we know that the Vesps are also confused by thunder, lightning, and rain. Rain, right. But the sound of people walking on a path doesn't attract it's different. Them. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it would have been too difficult to distinguish that. And, and it is a shorter book. Well, not even distinguish that, but it would have been too difficult for our protagonists to live if the Vesps were that instinctual for every single sound. Because I can see them reacting to the rain because it's a new thing to them. I'm surrounded by sound. Everything is making sound around me. Where do I go? Or maybe it's just the fact that their echolocation is going haywire. So speaking of Vesps, we then see that the family has decided to move. So they're traveling to Scotland and we meet Glenn, who is best friends with Hugh. And he decides to tag along for the journey. And so they take two cars. And I think another turning point is when Glenn sacrifices himself and the death of Otis. No, yeah, it's definitely a turning learning curve point. I just lost my best friend. Growing moment for Hugh. I now have to kill the family dog because it's putting us in danger. Also growing moment for Hugh, but it's a growing moment for Allie because she's like, I can't hate my dad for killing my dog. Right. And it also is a character development point for Hugh because he is always following in Glenn's footsteps of Glenn's the leader. He's going to make the decision. He knows what's best. Whereas now Hugh is, I'm in that position now where I have to make the, the difficult decisions. What's going to protect my family? What's not? And that's uncomfortable for him. And I think that the death of Glenn allowed him to understand like, okay, I can no longer be hiding behind someone else's shadow with these decisions. I have to make them. So I think that was good character development on his part. And then we also see the relationship between him and Allie. Yeah, she might be mad at him, but she understands why he did what he did. And that they still remain close throughout the, the story of them having their hour talking about the events of the day and what they learned, which I thought was really sweet. I think the next turning point is going to be when Hugh goes on his little journey to go get supplies and he sees the dead bikers. Mm-hmm. Because that introduces Hugh and the audience to the fact that humans are also losing their shit and going mm -hmm. to murder other humans for their own benefit. They get what they need to survive. One of the lines in the book that kind of st stuck out to me was, we can no longer live in the solitude of others. We must find solitude within ourselves. I think it's the comfort of others. It's true though. Like you can no longer rely on other people to help you. Like it's it's you against the world. I probably beat this point into the ground because I said it so much in like the second and the third, second and second first and second episode, the social contract. And then we have to go into the fact that Hugh and Allie go on a little mission together and they meet the fucking reverend. Yes. Another turning point. And they, okay, we will say to add on to this, Allie and Hugh do find a good source of food. So they're able to come back not empty handed. And on their journey, they meet the reverend who is some creepy motherfucker with his tongue cut out. We love self-mutilation. Because he believes that the silence will bring him to the maker. Cool, good for you, <laughs> but also leave a family alone. Because then Allie makes, I wouldn't even say she makes a mistake. She's just talking to her dad and signing to him that I don't like this guy. And the reverend, who must be stupid or something, is like, teach me your secret language. And it's like, my dude, if you've been around for a hot minute, you know that sign language. So like, what are you, what secret language are you talking about? So clearly this guy is definitely mentally deranged and he talks about his following called the hushed and that just shows that there are other people willing
willing to cut out their tongues in order to survive and meet their maker. Okay, but do we know that he actually had a following up until this point? He just says, join the hushed. Okay, but what if this dude is just like fucking crazy and he's walking down the road and he sees Allie and her dad and he's like, oh, people I can recruit. We'll talk about quotes later. He's like, oh, two new people I can recruit. And then he sees Allie doing sign language and then decides to find more people and then tells them, I have the Messiah. We can cut our tongues out and still communicate. And then the only reason he gets his following is because he promised Allie and a safe haven. Because we know when the reverend comes back to the house, he tries to be all like, well, can we come inside? House. <laughs> yeah. And badass Lynn was like, fucking leave out loud. And everyone's like, oh, no. Can we also but talk I, about I, not letting religious people into your house? Look, I asked someone at work the other day, I said, do Mormons exist down you here? You didn't say that. <laughs> I did because I was like, I mean, I'm sure they do. I just haven't had a Mormon come to my door before ever since I've lived down here. In Alabama, it's a different story. But I was like, I've never had anyone come to my door and be like, do you have a moment to talk about Jesus Christ? I've had a man come to me saying, do you want at nine o'clock at night saying, do you want to buy um, cameras, a security camera system? My dude, it's nine o'clock at night. Please leave. Dude, the only people I want to keep out with a security system is you. Right. And he's like, if if you were my daughter, I'd make sure. And I was like, that's cool, but I'm not. And my dad is okay with me being dear. By myself. I would have been so. like, if you, if you were my dad, you would have told me to put the three inch fucking screws in my doorway to secure my door. Right. So no one can kick my fucking door off the hinges. Did you do that? Did you tell that to your daughter? He was a weird man. Also, if you are moving into a house or renting an apartment, replace the door, the screws in your door. Safety. Don't be like Maria and kick your door in. Okay, listen, I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Any other turning points? Once they fucking attack the house and they were forced yeah, definitely to leave. the attack. Um, but like, that's so the like Reverend... the last, and I guess the, the last turning point after that is when like society has completely collapsed. We have yeah. no way to talk to outside sources. Anyone. Yeah. So definitely the final turning point is when the hushed and the Reverend arrive at the house and decide to do a full frontal attack with putting, ringing cell phones on the windowsills and breaking windows to attract the Vesp to go and kill the family. And in turn, Lynn sacrifices herself to save Allie because the end goal for the hushed and the Reverend was to take Allie as a hostage. What a fucking asshole. Yeah, definitely mentally deranged. Sorry, not sorry. What's your conclusion about this book? I think that it's like, even in a place of struggle, you have to find the people that you care about. And the most important thing is that everyone that you care about comes together and bonds and makes a stronger unit. And with that stronger unit, you guys can survive anything. Yeah, I was just, I was going to say, like, without family or close, close group, you're not going to survive I mean, you can say times. family because it means different things for different people. Because it so, doesn't have yeah. to be your biological family. You're right. Because <laughs> some, some family members suck. I'm not saying that any of mine do, but I'm just saying some people have shitty family members. Yeah, exactly. So it's like your chosen family matters. Like Glenn was a chosen family member. Mm -hmm. And we literally saw Glenn and Hugh. When Glenn was dying, Glenn was begging Hugh to leave. And then you see that brotherhood of Glenn wanting the best for Hugh and then Hugh wanting the best for Glenn at the same time. Yeah. Very heartwarming. And sad at the same time. Whose death was sadder for you, Glenn's or Lynn's? <sighs> I think, okay, Glenn, 
Because it was so drawn out. It was very drawn out. Because like Lynn, it happened right away. It didn't catch me off guard. Like it was like, oh wow, that happened. Okay, let me reword that. It did catch me off guard. Out of nowhere, you see Glenn running or Lynn running. Whereas for Glenn, you already knew that his death was coming. You just didn't know how it was going to come. Being trapped in the car, like you figured he would be dead. And like the thing is, is like he was trapped in the car for a long time, suffering slowly. And I was just like, I would want to put myself out of my misery. Mm -hmm. Whereas Lynn... She had cancer. You didn't know when she was going to die, but it was kind of like, okay, at some point she's going to have to die because we can't keep a cancerous person with us for the ride. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, TBH, she could have made it to the end of the book. She probably could have, but that would have been if Allie wasn't stolen or kidnapped. So I'm going to say Glenn. Just because well, it, it was the first sacrifice of the book. And you're just like, dang it. We really lost our first one. Yeah, that and it was drawn out throughout three chapters. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go over Glenn and Hugh's friendship the entire time. And then, you know, Glenn is dying that whole time. Yeah, like it definitely, it made me sob like a child. Have you read any other books or media like this that you want to recommend? I have not. You're um, such a but liar. I'm very... You have played The Walking Dead. I've played, okay, The Walking Dead. But read a book? No, I don't think I have. Oh, yeah, I have. World War Z on the whole like apocalypse zombie creature taking over the world type thing. So World War Z and The Walking Dead. Like how you're just dismissing The Walking Dead as a whole. Like it's a giant comic book series. It's a whole video game from a company that doesn't exist anymore. Robert Kirkman has fucking novels and the TV show I think just ended. Well, you know, okay, I've never read The Walking Dead or I've never watched The Walking Dead, but if we want to go with books similar to The Walking Dead or The End of Time. Doomsday Survival Books. This, okay, this is called The Enemy by Charlie Hickson. It's a young adult read, but it's a series and I've read all of them minus the last one. Actually pretty good. It's about kids having to survive on their own through a zombie apocalypse. I I really like that. That was good. And then there's Rise of the Corpses. which is a part of the Undertaker series. And it's also another zombie book. It wasn't as good as The Enemy, but I still enjoyed it. Have you read Lord of the Flies? I have not. Someone can comment this because we're both obviously illiterate to have not read Lord of the Flies by our age, but I know that it's like a bunch of boys get abandoned on an island and have to survive. So I'm wondering how similar that situation is where they have to fight for survival. I know they kill someone. I know they almost kill the other boy. Probably should read it. I just... I have so many things to read on my, what's it called? Your TV red list. My TBR. Are you ready for discussion questions? Sure. Do you have discussion questions? Yes. <gasps> Do you want me to say the first one? Yeah, go first. Okay. How did you feel about the different, like the changing of Allie's point of view to Hugh's point of view? Did you like that? Did you not like that? How did you feel about it? I did like it because it's interesting to hear from someone who was deaf's point of view and then someone who can actually hear his point of view. What I don't get about Allie's point of view is why is it from first person and then Hugh's point of view is, this... is from third. Right. Yeah. I noticed that too. It's kind of like, okay. We saw it before in The Wife Between Us, but that was literally, there was actually a purpose. And I'm sure there's a purpose here. I just don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. But no, I enjoyed it because we get to see that from Allie's point of view, she would have been like, Glenn's just my dad's best friend. She doesn't know that Glenn is fucking dangerous and hunted people down that hurt him. Right, right. We know that Allie loves her parents and wants them to have a romantic relationship. And she's like, they're probably in that room together. Maybe they're banging. And then you find out that they haven't banged yet. (laughs) 
from Hugh's yeah. point of view. I'm just happy that the relationship between Glenn or Hugh and Kelly developed throughout the story. Again, it shows the whole theme of if you don't have a solid family or a group that can carry you through, you're not going to survive this. Can we talk about it's how like, we have to read a, an apocalyptic book to see a healthy marriage? I know. <laughs> develop. Yeah. Unfortunately. There was but. no marital rape. I was so excited. There was no For rape once. in this book. Yes. Thank God. Which is strange because it's a survival doomsday book and rape always happens. So go to yeah. Lebanon. I appreciate yeah, your thank values. You. Your turn for a discussion question. What do you think of the cult and its place in the novel? I think it was a way to prove Hugh's point of people will do whatever they can to survive. And so it shows this cult is willing to cut out their tongue and listen to this man basically stating like, if you cut out your tongue, you're going to meet the maker and you're going to go to like a good place and you're, you'll survive. And the ch it kind of goes to show like people will do whatever they can and they'll believe whatever they want because that'll help them survive. Whereas using common sense defeats the purpose, you know? I don't think this applies to like normal cults, but it definitely applies to the cult in this sense where the idea of having a group of people is a call back to normalcy. I can depend on this person. We're in a group. We have similar values. We have a similar goal versus we are up against this family with resources that we don't have. And now we need to overtake that family mm -hmm. to get these resources, which is contrasted by when Hugh first approaches the old lady's house where he envisions an idea where it's someone who's willing and happy to take them in and willing to play host for them versus what actually happens. I have a lady trying to shoot him off her property and then she ends up killing herself. Did she have a gun? I thought she just had a she knife. She didn't. She had like a knife. And she was like, get out of my get garden. <laughs> and you're like, bitch, the fucking Vesps can hear you. Yeah. Are you happy with the use of Vesps or would you have liked to see a different creature or different type of world ender entity? You know what's terrifying about the Vesps? Everything. Yeah, but the fact that they're everything about the Vesp is terrifying, except for the fact that it's the size of a small cat and it alone is destroying the human race with its sheer amount of abundance. Right and ferociousness. Can you imagine if it was something worse? I don't want to imagine something worse. And the thing is with the Vespas, they're pretty easy to kill. Like They don't like cold. Well, they don't like cold, but like if it's just you and one vest and you can get it off you, you can just smash its head in. Right. But who's to say that that vest before you killed it didn't call exactly. a hundred more. But also they're like, they have hundreds of teeth. They have sharp claws. And you're like, this thing is the small size of a small cat. Imagine if the vest was bigger. They have tentacles. This <laughs> is an ugly creature. But it's just the idea that like something so small and so helpless on its own could be so terrifying with the sheer amount of numbers and the fact that it multiplies so fast. So right. even with the idea of the Vest being kind of a fragile, blind predator, they're, ter they're still, still terrifying. able to take out. Yeah. So I thought that was well done. Focusing on the Hushed, when you have that cult, do you see any other cult dynamics in there? How do you think the Hushed would have reacted if someone joined their cult but refused to put out their tongue? You think oh, they, they probably would have killed the person. And then you even see how the Hushed reacts 
when someone refuses to join their cult is that they're hunted down. I don't know if that's true in all cases, but it definitely was true in Allie and Hugh's case. But I think it was like they wanted, they just wanted Allie so that the way they could speak instead of writing on pads. But I thought it was weird, like just write on pads. Why do you need to kidnap a child? How do you think the cult would have turned out had the family decided to join it? I think there would have been a fight in leadership. I think Hugh would have then started to realize how crazy the Reverend was. And then people would either want to start following Hugh and get rid of the Reverend or the Reverend would try to get rid of Hugh. You don't think Kelly or Allie would have like rose up against him? Like who, him, Hugh or the Reverend? The Reverend. I think Kelly would have. I think Allie's still too young to kind of do something to make a difference, but Allie or Kelly and Hugh, definitely. You have any other discussion questions? No, I don't think so. What do you think the best course of actions would have been for the family in hindsight? Even if they tried to leave for Scotland earlier, they probably wouldn't have made it in time. Um, I think if they had just stayed home or if they had gone to Glenn's, what would you, what would you call that? His house. His farm. Yeah, his farm. They would have been, yeah, the animals would have died or they could have slaughtered them first and then chopped them up. Like they could have done all of that time that they spent trying to get to Scotland. They could have spent trying to prep the animals, make sure that they can put it in storage. And then that way they still have some supplies to survive. That probably would have been a better idea. Yeah, I totally agree with the Glenn's farm thing. But I think Glenn's girlfriend and her parents were there. So it would have been like three more mouths to feed. And you get more um, character dynamics and interactions. Mm -hmm. So it would have been interesting to see if we would have seen a coup forming within the group. Yeah. We talked about in the book, you see Hugh getting annoyed with Glenn at some points where they're just, Hugh's like, Glenn thinks he knows everything, but within good reason. But Hugh still gets annoyed with it. So it's it's funny what could have happened, maybe. Mm -hmm. What do you think of the integration of the outside sources at the beginning of every chapter? I think it kind of helped put into perspective what was going on around the world. We see everything from Hugh and Allie's point of view, but then with the added perspectives, it also gives us like, okay, this is what's going on around other parts of the world. This is what people are seeing. This is how, what scientists are seeing. This is what the government's trying to do. So we're getting like bits and pieces of different entities throughout the world that can help create this picture of we don't know anything about these things and it's completely demolishing the entire world but what we do know is that silence is what's going to keep you safe how reliable do you think these sources were at the beginning of every chapter at the beginning okay so like starting at the beginning of the book reliability was probably like a solid eight out of ten you're like okay cool this is from a trusted source but then as the book continued going more and more people were dying it was okay is this a cry for help or are people just being dramatic? And even Allie was like, I can't distinguish what is true to what is just becoming fictitious. And people are just trying to play up something to get likes out of it. Were there any of the social media posts at the beginning of the chapters that you kind of doubted? I don't think so. Not that I can remember really. There were any that did. I think a lot of them, because then we do see like firsthand stories of like, I saw this man get out of the car and start singing. And it was the last time I heard that song. I think it just kind of shows like, the development of the social contract of people at first coming together and then slowly it's like it's you you're what's gonna save yourself how do you think you would have liked the novel if tim lebin had integrated more rumors into the social media aspects in the beginning of the chapters of every book because i felt like whatever source that we were getting in the beginning of the chapter were more reliable than anything else that Allie was reading um i think it would have helped add to like what was fact from fiction mm-hmm 
in a sense of like, okay, well, like, are these people actually doing, are, po- are they posting real life information or are they just posting just to post to get likes? I think it would help distinguish like what was actually going on in the world. But I think it also added to the mystery of this is the information we're getting and we can't, we can't already not tell what it is like if this is actually happening or not because we don't have a reliable source anymore do you think it would have been better for him to make the sources less and less reliable as we go on because that's the way ali sees it because you get more more integrated into the world when you see more of what ali sees i mean i'm sure he could have but i also like the fact that closer to the end it started to be personal accounts and not just like the government posts because as we see and like the further into the story we get government has nothing to tell us they can't tell us anything anymore and now we're relying on first-hand accounts do you think there could have been better dog deaths no a thousand percent i think otis should have died when the guy was trying to steal the mazda i thought that's when otis was gonna die i think he should have died there because the fact that, he, that hugh had to kill him and i get it it's like a character building moment but you're just gonna do that to otis he doesn't get a heroic hurrah goodbye i i thought that when otis tried to attack that guy that that was gonna be the end of it but just two deaths back to back was like very gut-wrenching i just wanted the dog to die heroically and not him be the reason that glenn ultimately had to sacrifice himself right so what would you rate this book and why um i give it a 4.7 out of 5 made me cry it made me have to take a break from reading a few times but i thought it was very well written none of the characters annoyed me which is a first i just i really like this book it was a good short read if you wanted to sit down for a day and just read it you could probably finish it within a day but it was just it was just one of those books where it kept you engaged the entire time it was nothing but praise but still doesn't give it a five out of five still higher than 4.5 i think if you're just gonna give only praise for a book you have to rate it a five out of five because you have nothing to say there's something wrong with it 4.75 there you go boo madison's gonna give it a five out of five because the writing was good the pacing was good the characters were good the development of the world was almost flawless it probably was flawless i'm just mad that i don't get more information about the vest but that's not enough for me to not give it a five that's why i give it a 4.7 because i want to know at the end that but other than that that that's gonna start an argument nothing to do with the book though i want to know if just because you want to know doesn't diminish the book at all okay it's fine (laughs) anyway all right you ready to go into reviews i am all right i have one okay what rating Uh, is it five star review by michelle on goodreads this is a beautifully written tale that was incredibly hard to put down i especially loved young deaf ally she had the perfect balance of courage and insecurity and mr levin intertwined the two perfectly making her human some book characters are too unbelievable and relatable in fact i loved all of ally's family these are people you can't help but root for and hope that they find safety and security from the horrible monsters that have been unleashed into the world This book was simply a treasure to read. This is from Tim. It's a four out of five. Cheers to Levin for writing another apocalyptic story that sets the genre on its ear and plows forward. After loving his interdimensional zombie apocalypse, Coldbrook, I was very excited to see him impress me with something equally as unique. For the most part, he succeeded. The silence adds... Sounds as a new element of horror creating an apocalyptic invasion of deadly vesps, a bird that reminded me of pterodactyls, which hunts purely by sound because they evolved within a large cave for who knows how long. Levin has a strong cast of characters I immensely enjoyed meeting and wanting to see survive. 
A story is told between viewpoints, blah, blah, blah. This writing is very professional and includes social media excerpts that make this apocalypse more like-like than most. While the story is very good, it never quite broke the ceiling into a five star, which we have the adventure from getting the family to finding safety with a handful of shocking twists in between, but there's something about the plot that didn't match the potential that I was hoping for. The ending wasn't a knockout, even though I was pretty satisfied at how the character relationships concluded. I put this one high on my list of apocalyptic thrillers, but probably not in my top 10. What review? What? How many stars did they give? Four. Oh, okay. Can we talk about though? So I accidentally spoiled this book for me when I was looking for pictures of the Vesp after you sent me that creepy picture of a flying fetus. Uh huh. Because it's this is a movie on Netflix apparently, and the dad is the dad in Easy A, and or the sassy guy with the glasses and the Devil Wears Prada, I think. Yeah, what's his fucking name? I don't know his name. But anyways, I was on like the <laughs> Wikipedia page for the movie and I didn't think it would like spoil it for me in like the first two sentences. And it's like, but Allie, they run into this cult that wants her for like her fertility. And I was like, that's fucking ridiculous. Why would they put that into the movie? That hasn't happened in the book. They're insane. Like, how dare you touch this masterpiece? And then we see this cult in the book, but... In the book, they're like, we want her for her sign language, not like some weird fucking sex cult. Well, of course, that's fucking Hollywood turning everything, sexualizing everything. Yeah, so I saw that. And so I was like, is there going to be a cult in this book? And I was like, it better not be a fucking sex cult because I will stop reading. Silly. Okay, and I'll read a one star review. Lucas Anthony, one star star review, did not finish on page 172. Weak writing, weak character development, just didn't want to waste my time finishing it. Um, This is one from Jim. One star. The creatures in this book could eat me. I don't think the mini raptors have ever been able to escape such a deep dark plot hole the gaping vacuum of logic and lack of plausible reality made for the scariest parts of the story reread critical reviews subbing the words scary and frightening with silly and frustrating these would be good summaries do you agree with either of the one star reviews this one says the dog is murdered by his own family so fuck that i'm out i get it bruh if okay here's another media like this if you've ever read i am legend do not watch the movie because it's nothing like the book. If you're reading an apocalyptic novel, the dog always dies. Come on. Part of me is like, okay, I get it. Like, yeah, an animal dying sucks and it's hard. But like, grow up and finish reading the fucking book. It's okay. not that hard. Okay, but also there's a literally a website called Does the Dog Die? Any media you want to enjoy, but there's a dog in it and you want to know if the dog dies in it, you can go to this website and it will tell you yes or no. <laughs> and then you can decide if you want to read it based off of that. Also, the actor you're talking about is Stanley Tucci. Sorry. Okay, he's also amazing. I don't care. I love him. I'm, I'm like, obviously, I think he's amazing enough not to know his fucking name. Wow. Interesting. I didn't know that this was a thing. What? Oh, does the dog die? Does the dog die? Yeah. Those were all my reviews. So why don't you tell us about our next pick? All right. Our next pick, A Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay. It was recommended by a friend this time, not on TikTok, not on Instagram, a friend. And she said, there are some mixed reviews, but she's excited to see what we have to say about it. She really liked it and it 
caused her some trouble to go to sleep. And I will agree, I'm two chapters in already and I had my first nightmare. I don't know if it's because I've hyped myself up or if this book is actually like psychologically fucking with me. And what are the chapters we're reading for the first section? We are reading chapters one through 15, I believe, but let me just double check. Speaking of friend recommendations, thank you again, John, for recommending this book to me. Yes, thank you, John. You gave us a great read. 10 out of 10, great person. Also, this will be our last recording for a month, and then we'll start season three, which will then begin with a head full of ghosts. So I hope you guys enjoyed season two. Leave comments, like, and subscribe. Can you subscribe? No, like and follow on Instagram or email us. And subscribe on Spotify, Spotify. Apple, and all your other podcast listening media. Yay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>